selection, that thorough investigation is going to be really important. And if you don't have the capability of running a credit check on your contractors, I suggest that you partner with someone who has the capability of doing so, even if you have to pay a small fee, because I'm going to tell you, you have to think ahead. This is a chessboard. You cannot forfeit your entire property. That, my God, that is a lot of money, okay? Um, and if they claim the lien, guess who has to pay the mortgage due on sale, okay? Even if it's technically still a sale, you have to pay that. So you don't, you don't want to get, it, it gets very sticky. And so a thorough investigation on your contractors, I would highly suggest it. Trust me, guys, I've seen it time and time again. Not all contractors are shady like this, but for the most part, I've seen some that are. And we don't want to get in that messy situation because tracking down, right, whoever puts the lien on the property that there's going to be, and it's very stressful. So, um, yeah, just make sure that you do a thorough investigation. Secondly, in your vendor selection, when you do, uh, when you do hire a contractor, what you want to do is you want to present them with some really attractive, um, proposals, okay, so, uh, one of the things that I did was I constructed a proposal because before you can get a bid from the contractor, you need to tell them what it is that they have in store, right, so telling them, okay, how, what is the size of your portfolio, do you have a large portfolio, um, and this is more for, like, business owners, business owners that manage multiple properties or that have multiple properties, telling them the size of your portfolio, telling them how many uh, properties you have in this county, this county, this county, um, how many units or doors, what is it that you have to offer them to get them back to you, to get them to be excited about really what business you're bringing their way, right? So making an attractive, before their offer, you make an attractive offer and let them know, yeah, this is what you have in store, now what can you give me? And then you can negotiate prices that way. Um, I don't suggest that you do this with one vendor. If you're going to go for a contractor, don't go to the first one, set it and done. No, it has to be some type of like Google search, right? Um, and if you think about, if when you're shopping on Google, all different stores pop up. If you're shopping for a material, right, for um, an object, let's say I look for computers and I Google, you know, computers, I can Google a MacBook. And if I'm Googling, stores will pop up, Best Buy will pop up, Amazon will pop up, I don't know if Amazon, but you know what I mean, um, and Apple, the Apple store will pop up itself, so I suggest that you shop for many, don't shop for one, because this is your leverage, right, 
once you get in there and you submit the attractive offer to all of the contractors, then you can start a bidding war. Now, bidding wars are not foreign in the real estate industry, right? The only thing is, is that bidding wars are more so for uh, buying a house, right? So if you're buying a house, then the seller gets the chance. If it's an attractive offer, if this house is everything that you ever want, you know, and a couple of people are interested in it, that's really good for the seller because then the buyers will go into a bidding war. It's a silent war. It's not, you know, bombs are being dropped anywhere. So it's just a very silent way of um, trying to get what you need for that, uh, for kind of throwing a little bit more to the mix, right? Throwing a little bit more money. Well, um, and in a vendor war, what we want to do is, all right, well, this vendor is giving me this. And that's how you negotiate contracts. If you have something, you have to make, you have to stand your ground with a negotiation because what you're doing is you're making your stance and, and enabling your company to start the bidding war, right? And what you do is you compare and contrast all of the, all of the bids. Once the bids come in, okay, well, they're willing to give me this term, they're willing to give me um, this price for the for whatever it is that you need, and then you go back to the next vendor. Maybe you like the next vendor, the next contractor a little bit more, and then you say, yeah, but so and so is giving me this. Are you able to match that? And that's how you negotiate contracts. Okay. So. The next thing about negotiating contracts is I want to make sure that you guys are clear on the terms and conditions that you want, okay? Um, if the price is a little high, you have to negotiate that down, okay? This vendor has given me, and that's part of the negotiation, and that's part of the strategies um, that you want to make sure that you go in and say, yeah, but this vendor is giving me this. Are you willing to match that? Um, but I want to tell you, the first time that I negotiated a contract, I was really um, upset with myself because one of the things that I didn't negotiate all the way through was the terms and um, conditions. And I didn't get down to what I wanted it to look like in terms of how the payments will be made. And from that moment, I kicked myself in the butt so hard that I remember thinking, this will never happen to me again. And the next contract that I negotiated, oh, you better believe that the terms and conditions were exactly how I wanted them. And I wasn't, I wasn't going back on that because this is really important for budgeting. <clears throat> if we're not budgeting in this contract to best meet our needs, we're managing properties, okay? So what that means in property management is that taxes are coming around. Taxes is a huge part of this um, 
management process. And you want to make sure that if the taxes aren't fixed into the mortgage, you want to make sure that you um, are budgeting around taxes, right? I can't make the payment that time, okay? And you put that in the contract. You put that in the agreement because once this agreement is made, there's no going back. So you want to make sure that you really create the strongest agreement that you possibly can, okay? So negotiating the times based on your budget. Now, in contract negotiating, you have to make sure that you take care of the legal risk review, right? You don't want to go into it with any legal risks. So, what I would say is this, and this is part of checking the backgrounds of these contractors, okay? Because, like I said, if they go in, okay, um, when I uh, worked for the supplier, and the contractors weren't paying, I would get calls from homeowners saying, hey, what, what's going on? I paid the contractor. Everything is paid. Everything should be paid. Now, you know, if they don't have any money in their savings, which is, which is insane, but it happens, right? Um, if they don't have any money in their savings and they're uh, house rich and cash poor, then how are they going to pay off this lien? Right? Because the lien isn't able to legally be put in until that loan has gone into default for about 120 days. And we're talking about mechanical liens. Okay? We're not able to put those in and file those with the clerk of court unless we show a ledger of how long this account has gone, um, you know, delinquent. And that's significant, right? So we want to make sure that um, we're taking care of legal risk um, management. Um, and for example, I'll give you an example. Because recently, I had to look at a lead-based paint review for different contractors to see how we were going to remediate uh, lead-based paint. Well, if you don't know, lead-based paint has to be removed by an EPA certified um, technician. It, it's not, this is a technical thing because one, they have to be certified by EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, um, and this is just a federal regulation, so we're not able to go in and remediate it ourselves, which is something that we could, you know, we thought of, but it's not something that we can go in and do because it's illegal, right? And in order to submit documentation, that the lead-based paint has been removed, you have to submit documentation by a certified technician who was approved by EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. So there are four ways to remediate lead-based paint. One of them is encapsulating it. That entails, of, um, it's a watertight bond paint uh, it's like a coat and they put it over the lead base paint but the problem with this one is that it wears over time when it oxidizes it wears anytime you open your windows anytime you open your doors the air comes in and 
part. Don't be so cheap, okay? Because you're going to come across this again. And you don't want to come across it again. Because one thing about it is that let's say your tenant falls behind on their bill, um, on their uh, rent, and they look for subsidies. Most of the time, some uh, organizations won't come in and test and inspect for let me speak. But depending on where the money is coming from and the budget is being pumped from, if the budget is being pumped from, from uh, federal uh, money, then they're going to inspect for lead-based paint. If the budget is being pumped from uh, local and state money, they're not. Because they can play by their own rules, but federal uh, regulation is really, really tight on um, lead-based paint. It's part of Title 10 law in, um, in the real estate law. I'm sorry, not in the real estate law, but in federal um, law. So, we want to make sure that one, we're not doing like a, uh, a fly-by-night kind of remediation. If you're going to go for a remedial option, then go for one that is not going to wear so easily or won't wear at all. That's not the option. The other one is enclosure, right? So this option is where you basically take drywall and enclose the lead-based paint on the walls. I wouldn't suggest this. The reason why is because it's on all surfaces. Paint is on all surfaces. If they painted previous to 1978, that is when lead-based paint was really prominent. It was a thing. You know, it was the next best thing to sliced bread. And people were painting a lot with lead-based paint. So it's not just the walls that were painted. It's the door frames. It's the doors. It's the window frames, right? So you want to make sure that you don't try to enclose anything. So enclosures is just not what we're going for. Now, the next option is removal. Removal is where they come in with, like, a sandblaster and a, and a HEPA um, vacuum. And a, a HEPA vacuum is, is just the grade of the vacuum, and it really sucks everything away from the wall, right? As you sand, it's taking everything away from the wall. But here's the thing. Remember, I said it has to be by a certified technician, right? So I also looked into maybe can we get um, this machine to do it ourselves? No, you cannot. You have to get a certified technician. But this option is the best option. I'll tell you why. So the other option is replacement. And this is like a mini renovation. This is like new drywalls, new door frames, new doors, windows. Ain't nobody got time for that. Who's doing a mini renovation? Unless it's your personal property, unless this is your home, and you know you have the money and you want to ball out of control, go ahead and do it. But I don't suggest anyone to do a mini renovation on a basis of lead-based paint. Get it stripped. The reason why I'm telling you do the removal option with the stripping is because all of the encapsulating with a coat is just out of the question, okay? But enclosure and replacement 
Enclosure doesn't take care of the pain that is, remember, enclosure is the part, is the, the option that just covers the walls, but we don't want that, right? So, replacement is the mini renovation. Okay, so if your vendor, if your contractor is getting supplies from a supplier and they're creating, because this is something that supplier, that contractors can do, they can create a mother account and create um, job accounts. So based on the job that they're doing for you, they can um, create an account just for you. This is the dangerous part. And based on the job they're doing for someone else, they can create a job just for them. And usually, um, the supplier won't really go into um, checking too much into it. Once the mother account has been created, and then the subsidiary accounts, the job accounts start being created, they don't check those job accounts as much. The mother account is the one that's vetted, and that's where they do the credit check. They make sure that they've had at least two trade lines, and they, they really want to do some type of credit background check on the contractors. But all of their accounts kind of just flow in the wind, and that means that if $5,000 have been loaned out to your um, property, to your address, then when the supplier, if the supplier doesn't get paid, guess whose house, guess whose property they're putting a lien on? Yours, not the contractor. The contractor doesn't have anything. He doesn't, what does he have? Everything is in your property. And really, they're not going after the contract. They're going after you. And as unfair as it sounds, it is what it is, right? So you want to stay away from any, um, any type of remediation that is going to allow a contractor to put material in the home. Not only that, it's expensive, right? You're already paying for labor. Think of the job costs. You're already paying for labor. You don't want to pay for material. That's just the bottom line. If you're, if you must pay for material, just pay for regular paint. Regular paint is really cheap compared to drywall, right? Compared to other fixtures, compared to an entire door, right? So, taking care of those legal risks. Um, and if you must. If you absolutely must get material in the home, you need to ask the contractors for their release of leads. Ask all of them for their release of leads. This is new material, that's fine. Can I get a copy of the release of lien? You need to get the copy of the release of lien and get the final copy of the release of lien. The partial release of lien is when you're making payments on the loan. But there's still a balance on the loan, right? Anything they take out on credit will have a lien on it. Um, secondly, once they finally pay off all of the material with that um, supplier, you want to make sure you get a final release of lien. That final release of lien will be binding at $10, right? If you look at your deed, that deed is binding at $10 because this is legal jargon to uh, ensure and it's saying, okay, this has been completely released to this person. Okay, so the $10 final release of lien is gold. All right, um, now you want to maintain regular communication, performance monitoring, all of these kinds of things. Um, and the way that you want to do that is you don't want to micromanage anybody, but you definitely want to go in and say, hey, what is your schedule for this? I need to make sure that I'm reporting to 
Brookhaven. I need to make sure that I'm reporting to DHCR, right? These are some um, some entities here in New York that do give money, right? The town of Brookhaven, Lyheap. I need to make sure that I, I because Lyheap, whenever they give um, subsidies, they do inspect for lead, for lead based paint. And uh, Section 8. Section 8 inspects, remember, any any entity that gets their funding from federal means, okay? So, and keep it on your calendar. Hey, I mean, and, and soft answer turns away wrath, okay? Um, we have to make sure that we're looking at these biblical principles because anything that... When we're in business, we definitely have to make sure that we're using the Bible for our basis to do business, you know, because the Bible is a book of the mind. And when the Bible says God opposes the proud, it's not talking about some exterior God, some foo-foo exterior God that we don't know. It's talking about each other. People are God. And that's, you know, Psalm 82, 6. I have said you are all gods because you are the sons of the Most High. So... When you're dealing with people and when we're dealing with um, the mind and how to manage people, we have to remember that the Bible is everything that the Bible says God did this, God did that, is talking about people. Okay? Um, now, there's another scripture that says that a soft answer turns away right. So when you come and you're managing these contractors, you don't want to, for them to do something to hurt you. So you have to be really nice. Right? You have to make sure that you're being cooperative with them, that you're being respectful to them, because God opposes the proud, and a soft answer turns away wrath. So, in your vendor management, in your relationship management, asking them, what is your schedule? When do you plan on getting this done? Oh, awesome. I just got I have to make sure that I coordinate this with the uh, with Section Eight with LIHEAP, so that they know when they can come back for. Inspection. I have to make sure that that works for them. I have to make sure that our deadline to remediate this isn't going to pass what you're doing. Um, so I just want to coordinate, and I really appreciate your help. I really appreciate you um, communicating with me and, and showing gratitude. Gratitude is huge, right? Because he turned to his gates with thanksgiving and into his court with praise. And what we're entering into each other's gates with thanksgiving and into their court with praise. Hey, thanks so much for, you know, getting back to me. Thank you so much for being punctual. I really appreciate that. Right? So in that, I just complimented the contractor and I just thanked him. So I now in his good graces, we enter into his gates, right? So now... We're in a good place in this person's spirit, right? Um, so now next, financial management. This is what I was talking about with the budget, right? This is why you want to go in and you want to negotiate this contract, this agreement, um, as firm as possible. Because what you don't want is you don't want the um, terms and conditions to burn you. You don't want that. I had that and it did not feel good. It didn't feel good and I wanted to make sure that I never made that mistake again because the term and condition is really going to leave you in a good spot, right? Because you have...
budget. And when you're managing a business, budgeting for at least, at least a year is really important. But get this, um, you know, the government doesn't manage their budgets for a year. And larger corporations like, um, you know, like schools, they don't manage their budget for the year. They manage their budget for the next fiscal year. Governments manage their budget in terms, right? And what they do is they set laws in place so that they can put taxes um, in place to be able to manage their budgets and all of their programs more effectively. And that is why the government is still standing. That's why they're still doing really, really good. People are afraid of, you know, I, I heard it though talking about how he thought that New York was going broke. Get out of here, okay? Because everybody was moving out and he was like, listen, the government is standing strong in New York State. It doesn't matter if NYC is, people are moving out of NYC. It does not matter. New York is standing strong and we still have uh, state taxes, okay? And the government is resourceful. The government is resourceful. If you don't understand real estate, you'll never understand that that's not a possibility. Okay? So uh, anything is possible, but it's least possible with government because they control. They control. They, they're they the ones who are um, in control. But anyways, budget tracking. Budget tracking is really important and putting that into your biz, putting that into your um, into your agreements, you want to do that and you want to schedule these things around taxes. Tax is the number one goal in your business. You have to make sure that you don't get a tax lien on your property. You get that tax lien on your property, you either pay or the government is coming in and taking your property, right? So we want to make sure that we schedule things around that and we want to make sure that we stay in business. So doing that for um, in your negotiation, and I have to tell you that if you're having a big issue with these things and you have to get um, remedial services out to your property, you want to make sure that you do this. You want to make sure that you get this done because what you don't want is for the cost to go through the roof. To services for lead-based paint, that costs uh, on average anywhere from $8 to $15 per square foot. So take that into consideration. Once you have all of your units that need to be remediated, then you go in with a special juicy offer, okay? Now, um, I would say the next really important thing is evaluation. In your agreement, you want to make sure that you you put somewhere in there some type of um, pull-out clause, some type of buyout. You don't want to stay in a contract with someone who isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So putting in the agreement a um, an early termination clause and letting them know if for whatever reason we are able to terminate this agreement, period. 
there is no if, ands, and buts about it because a remediation is extremely expensive. So we don't have time to plan. You either get it done, you either, if you say you can get it done, get it done. If for whatever reason we fail this inspection, you're out of here, right? Hey, but in professional terms, right? <laughs> per my last email, if you say something <laughs> in the contract, you can simply say early termination clause. If we fail inspection, then we are entitled for um, the services to be redone free of cost. Or we will find another contractor to do it and we'll bill you for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've seen contracts like that. You know the big boys do contracts like that. Governments do contracts like that. So if you want to be on top and you want to make sure that your business is on top, you get the contract in firm. Okay? Um, and, you know, this goes in for compliance. This is a compliance oversight because we don't have the opportunity as property owners and as property managers to not be in compliance. So you have to make sure your vendors are in compliance, okay? Um, and as you continue to manage vendors and you continue to manage bids and you continue to manage properties, rinse and repeat. As simple as that. And then you do the process over and over and over again. This is a thing. Contract billing is a thing. Um, and before I let you go, I have to say, contract billing is a thing. Okay? That is part of the, the terms and conditions for your agreement. Contract billing is a thing. So, um, this is what you would, when you receive the invoice from the vendor, you don't pay that invoice until you compare it. This has to be reconciled to the contract. Once it's reconciled to the contract, then we pay invoices. But until it's done, then we don't pay the invoice until it is re-inspected. This is something that is really important to put in the contract, in the agreement. Because if we fail re-inspection, you're not getting paid. Because we paid you to pass inspection, right? And until we pass inspection, you will not be able to receive payment. Now, in a professional way, you can say this in your agreement. But this is just me and you talking, you know what I'm saying? We are talking here. So in this um, situation, you definitely want to make sure that you're, you have the upper hand. It's all about you. And it's all about your property. And it's all about your company. Otherwise, this vendor is not benefiting you. He's not, it's not a convenience to you. And you need to get out of that relationship.